0: Hello and uh, welcome back to the Cincy Reformed Podcast. I'm Zach, I'm here with Brandon. We are co-pastors at Westside Reformed Church. And uh, this week we wanted to just have a bit of a conversation on uh, something that's near and dear to uh, both of our hearts being uh, fathers but also being pastors and that is catechesis and also how that connects with uh, classical uh, education we've both been involved in uh, classical education and uh, homeschooling in particular and we see that there are a lot of connection points then between that and that um, uh, philosophy of education and also with the use of the catechism and so we thought that today we might just discuss that with each other and with you in order to hopefully encourage you, if you have children or if you're in a church that has children, I'm sure you are, uh, toward the process of uh, sharing the uh, Christian faith uh, with our children or covenant children, that they may grow up in fear and admonition of the Lord. But maybe, Brandon, you would just begin by sketching out for us what we mean by um, classical education, maybe a talk touch on the, the trivium force a little bit. Sure. Maybe explain that, then we can maybe talk about how catechisms fit within that.
1: Yeah. So, you know, classical education, obviously, you know, it, it brings your mind back to something ancient, something very historic here. Uh, but going back to the to to the the Greeks uh, even, you know, some people will even root it within, within Jewish um, uh, thought as well, the Jews, the Greeks, into, um, uh, into the early church, uh, into the medieval church, and even inherited by the Reformation church. But uh, the, the, the trivium is, speaks about you know, try. there's three, so three subjects or three phases um, as it's been described. You have grammar. Which is the beginning, where you're learning the grammar of things, uh, the kind of the, the the parts of things, and then after grammar phase, you go into the dialectic stage, and the dialectic stage is where you begin to uh, to ask questions, to compare, contrast, to uh, you know ask those hard why but why questions, and then you get into the rhetorical phase, um, which is number three, and uh, rhetorical phases when you not only ask those questions but then you begin to uh, speak and you begin to debate and persuade and argue and use all of the things that you learn with grammar and dialectic and now deploy them in a persuasive way and interactive way uh, where you kind of begin to own all of those things and now you want to uh, uh, interact with your friends or, or people who d- disagree with you or, or whatever it is and so grammar dialectic and rhetoric are the three uh, topics that uh, um, people speak about with the Trivium. Now, there is some debate in terms of, you know, were they just subjects? Was this just bare subject matter? Or, or like I mentioned before, are they perhaps child development phases? Uh, Dorothy Sayers, uh, one lady that uh, you know, she, she wrote the, uh, an essay called The Lost Tools of Learning, and in, in there she used the, the trivium but to speak about childhood development. And she called, uh, for example, the grammar phase, the pole parrot phase. And that is where the, the child can memorize a lot of facts and their, and their brains just kind of soak in information in ways that adult brains do not. And so it, it's, it's quite a, a good age actually to get them to memorize facts even facts that they don't really understand what they're memorizing but get it in there and they become mental pegs that they can hang things on later on in life and so the pole parrot phase and i i like that imagery of a parrot who just parrots back whatever you tell it and so that's kind of the the phase in which children are in up until around you know you're, once you get up to you know 11 12 13 and onward you're moving then into the dialectical uh phase where then you 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 see that in middle school especially i think some of those hard but wide questions questioning everything wondering what's the reasoning behind all of this stuff and uh and, and that, that's really they, they, they begin to kind of work with uh, some of that information that they 've maybe memorized in the grammar phase, and then in the rhetoric phase, and now again uh, you 're being more eloquent and and you're you 're being more persuasive and you 're learning writing and arguing and speaking and 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 all of those things, so you're kind of polishing that toward toward the end, but it's all connected in a way, and it's like we're part of um uh, classical conversations and and uh one of the things that classical conversations does is everything's so united, so things that the rhetoric um children are doing. Uh, is building on what they learned in the grammar phase. All of those Latin things that they were reciting, all of the history facts that they, they were reciting, now being deployed in other ways Um, later on so it's all building and cohesive but also just taking note of the way in which children develop uh, the way in which children's minds develop and and capitalizing on those early years of saying well it's a good time right now to have you memorize things because you can get the facts in they'll have them as long as they're they're being um, um, uh, repeated and and practiced and, and these things so I mean I think that's kind of a maybe a sketch of the trivium um, anything else you want to add to that no I think it was a great great sketch for us I mean maybe the only thing I'll just note is um, sometimes
0: the term dialectic is interchangeable with logic Between mm-hmm. so grammar logic rhetoric or grammar dialectic rhetoric mm-hmm. uh, I think sayers used the language of parrots perts poets yeah yep. if I'm not mistaken so you can hear some different language used there but I, as Brian said just describing how we see uh, humans uh, develop and, and I think that, you know, you mentioned that uh, this kind of structured way goes back to at least, you know, the Greco-Roman time, maybe back to um, Israel. But I think that because it's just a human thing, we should see it in almost every society, even if they didn't call it that, right? Because mm-hmm. this is just a human nature thing that kids are just very good at memorizing. You start trying to explain the deep philosophical things to them, they're not gonna track with you whatsoever, but if they can memorize anything you put in front of them, it's amazing. But I mean, that's very it's actually a lot more difficult for a, a high schooler to do the kind of memorization work that young children can do, and they don't wanna do it. They're not they don't find joy in that because they want to be engaging the more uh, rhetorical things and putting the you know, connecting the dots as well. And so it really kind of maps on to how I think we experience in our own lives of uh, development mm. but you know to, to bring this up around to what we um, you know now, now I want to kind of address here is just the matter of uh, catechesis and the use of, of the use of a catechism I think a lot of time the a catechism can be uh, just uh, poo-pooed because oh well you know that's not the Bible or oh you know, they don't even know what they're saying when they uh, memorize these things and speak it back to you. But I think that if we begin to see the catechism as being a part of this uh, development of a, of a human, and the catechism really begins with the child in that grammar phase, and also has a place in the logic and rhetoric later, of course, but it's, it's, its use begins early on because you're going to build upon that. I think you begin to see the beauty and uh, just how helpful a a catechism really is and so that's why you know in our church and i think many others um uh, parents are encouraged to use a catechism very early in their kids lives as they begin to memorize their abcs and as they begin to memorize maybe uh you know multiplication tables or the days of the week or the months of the year or whatever They're also memorizing truths that the Bible teaches very clearly, the central truths uh, of Scripture, in order that just as the parent can then build upon counting to 100 or they can build upon ABCs, build upon a multiplication table or whatever it is, they can build upon that as the child grows. You give them the same kind of grammar within the realm of theology in order that as they grow, you can build upon that. And so kids really do an excellent job. In this, uh, in the early years, the grammar phase of um, putting a catechism to memory, they enjoy it. Uh, maybe later we can talk about some um, uh, quick tips we might have for that. We've done it in a past episode, at least. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I think seeing the the catechism really integrates into the uh, the the development of a Christian, uh, and because of uh, uh, the development of the person from grammar through the logic or dialectic through the rhetoric phase uh, later on. What are some of your thoughts on about this um, in terms of how this maps onto um, classical
1: you know, theory. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I, again, going back to, uh, children's minds kind of soak in these facts and it, it, it's surprising how fast, like when I'm catechizing my children, just surprising how fast they get it, you know, within a, you know, within a half hour time, I and mean, we, we've memorized a pretty lengthy, um, catechism. And, and it's, it's, it's just amazing how fast their minds kind of soak it in. And then I can quiz them the next day and they rattle it off. Maybe they miss a word or two. And I got to kind of maybe shore up a few things. But for the most part, I mean, it, it, is, it is there. We can go back and um, we were doing uh catechism. Um, they were reciting their catechism for some friends that uh, are not being catechized and they were just amazed by i could ask a question and they would go on and on and on with these answers and and they were just amazed by by how much they knew it's also been helpful too uh in terms of not only just memorizing but teasing things out like i've had uh my, my my eldest son he will ask like a theological question and there's been times where i've said well you know that answer and then I'll ask him the catechism question, and a light bulb goes off. He rattles off the, the catechism answer, and he answers his own question. And so just kind of teaching him to use the knowledge he already has in his brain and how to deploy that, uh, it's been it's been helpful. But I think that is one of the biggest pushbacks, though. People say, well, why are you memorizing things that the child... Has really no grasp of, or it's maybe above their head or something. Why are why are you, why are you doing that? And that really comes from uh, one of. There's a few educational theories. One is one is from the pragmatists, like John Dewey. Some of the progressives, and one of the big emphases uh, with that educational model that John Dewey proposed was that children should only interact at their level with their surroundings. And so he would, and he hated memorization, that whole thing. So don't memorize things, and don't memorize anything that would be outside or above the child's capacity. And that was like one of the big tenets for that kind of school model. And that's been instilled in some people. So when they see catechizing children, even three and four years old, they're thinking, well, that child doesn't know what justification is or imputation is. And this is going to be above the child's head. They have no knowledge of these things. And uh, so they're going to have that reaction to it. But again, why miss the window of opportunity for the child to memorize these things why well, miss that opportunity in 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 development but also it is very practical because it's great that when these when children have light bulb um, kind of go off when they're when they realize, aha, that's exactly what that meant, or they're answering their own questions, and uh, and and also when you survey the the catechists throughout church history, they've all said the same thing. In fact, I have a document where I I wrote down all of the kind of quotations from all of the early catechists talking about how it's good to, for for children to memorize things, even if they don't understand it. I mean Martin Luther and um, Charles Haddon Spurgeon and Calvin and so many others have said the same thing. It's even in uh, if you're if you like novels, it's in um, Harry Beecher Stowe's Uncle Tom's Cabin, where there's a there's a scene in there where somebody's catechizing someone and and somebody makes the objection. Well, they don't know what they're memorizing, and then somebody else kind of uh, chimes in and says, "Well, when they when they're grown, it'll come to them." Uh, so it, it's just interesting how ingrained it was, in, even in society back when Harry uh, Beecher Stowe was um, was writing that. So I think that again, it's helpful to have them memorize these things, and it'll just it'll it'll uh, store up so much truth that will aid them the rest of their life.
0: I think one of the reasons why the practice we're discussing here comes across to people as offensive. It's because I think that we have we treat uh, religion and uh, knowledge of Christianity in a different way than we treat knowledge of uh, other subjects, and so we like to really emphasize the experiential nature of Christianity and that uh, in, in an anti intellectual sense. Mm. That's probably important just to mention here. Mm-hmm. I think that people want there to be some spontaneous experience. Of Christianity that happens when there's, you know, dimmed lights and loud music, or maybe you're just off on a walk in the woods by yourself, or something along those lines, something very mystical and uh, romantic like that. And they don't want to treat it like something that requires some diligence, some hard work, that these kinds of things pay off. Christianity is oftentimes treated in our day in that anti-intellectual way that I mentioned, where somehow learning something about the Bible and about key doctrines that the Bible teaches is somehow counterproductive and it doesn't create mature Christianity. But that's just blatantly not the case. The Bible is given to us, God gives us a word, he gives us a text, and we are called to be disciples and part of that is being a learner. Of course learning goes beyond the head, but it includes the head. It includes things that are taught within it. And if we want to be learners of Christ, we want to be disciples of God in Christ, we want to come to grips with Holy Scripture, we need to learn what it says and learn how those things interact with one another. And we can't afford to be anti-intellectual because we're going to be bombarded with all sorts of other ideas from the world around us and our spiritual enemy, the devil. if we don't have answers for these kinds of things, we don't have a firm foundation we're going to be a sitting duck we need to rather view the bible in a way where yes it's more than just data in our minds but it's not less than that and so i think that if we can view christianity as not just some momentary experience or some you know anti-intellectual thing but recognize that that knowing something in our mind can be very much connected with understanding something in our hearts then these two things are not opposed to one another. Mm -hmm. Then we're in a good position to appreciate how helpful a catechism can be
1: for children, and I think also for us as well. Mm -hmm. So I guess maybe just kind of pointing that out there. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I mean, the the anti-intellectual stuff is just really deep embedded. Like, you know, people will push their kids, take AP Chemistry, take AP yep. History, yep. get good grades, go off to this Ivy League, whatever it is. But then it comes to like theological matters, spiritual matters, and it's like, well,
0: I could never understand that.
1: Yeah, well, you can just color uh, Noah's <laughs> Noah's Ark, you know, on this page or something, and and, and it's just weird. And I was talking with uh, somebody was asking me uh, what my summer plans were, and I was kind of unpacking what i was planning to do with the kids in terms of homeschool and i mentioned theology and and i was going to catechize and we were going to do some bible facts and i wanted them to memorize uh the uh, missionary journeys that paul did on a map and but you can almost get the sense of like you're going to do any actual schooling um, when, do you, when do you get to the real stuff? Like you know, like math and like science, and and of course we're not going to ignore those. But it's just interesting how people just that's like extracurricular Sunday yeah. stuff that you're now bringing into school and they have this weird separation in their mind and it's like no theology it not only should permeate every subject it is also the queen of the sciences and it must be I think prize we must know it. I mean if, if my kids uh, graduated high school and knew their Bible well, knew theology well, and were a little bit sh- shady or shaky on a few uh, areas, that would be okay. But I would be more upset if they if they graduated expert in science and math and knew nothing of the Bible. I would just be it'd be horrific. Uh, you know, what does God say? Whenever we're sitting down, whenever we're walking by the way, we're, we're constantly reinforcing the Word of God. And it's interesting, too, like I was doing a study on Jewish education. And early Jewish education, they would root everything in the Bible. They would start with the Bible, and they would launch out to learn their math, launch out to learn their zoology or whatever it is as they're finding examples of it in scripture so that the students realize hey the Bible's kind of the centerpiece here like all of our math examples are coming from numbers that we find in the bible and various uh, widths and and measurements we're doing um, uh, geometry based on the the length and measurements of the temple and we're and we're doing zoology based upon the uh, clean and unclean animals and and what they look like and we're doing history Based on so so, it's just kind of interesting to, for uh, within Jewish culture saying, "Hey, the Bible is so set, central that we are going to uh, launch out from it to learn anything else, and and it's going to kind of unite everything in their minds." But in our day, we have very much dichotomized our mind, where when you bring in the Bible, and it that's like a little. A little extracurricular devotional or something, and uh, but no, we we should be teaching our children to think theologically, and that's not something that can just be done on a Sunday morning in Sunday school. But that is something that needs to be done academically within school itself. So yeah, that's, that's a helpful thing. And even when I was in uh, when I was a youth pastor, uh, youth past pastor old intern, it was you know interesting dealing with parents sometimes because you know parents of course, make their children uh, go to school every day. And, and, and of course, the, 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 the children will complain, I don't want to go to school, or you're going to school. And then they say, well, I don't want to go to church. And the parents are like, oh, totally fine, stay home. Let's do something else. And it's like, well, what, what happened here? Like, what, what, is, what is more important what is what is the primary calling of us where are we going to find god's grace what do i need to know uh you know eternal life is 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 here and and at stake and here we are squandering it away because my child said i i i'd rather sleep in today and we're going to kind of acquiesce It, it just didn't make any sense to me of saying well you know i don't want to do a lot of things and when i was growing up i kind of had to be pushed in various directions because Um, It was just, you know, I was being sinful or lazy or whatever it was, and and that's just the nature of of children. Um, R. Scott Clark in an essay he wrote, I wanted to read a a little section, but it's actually a great essay. It's in the book Faithful and Fruitful, Essays for Elders and Deacons, edited by William Boeckestein and Steve Sweats. Uh, But he wrote a chapter in it, and it's called Classical Christian Catechesis. And in the uh, in the book, he says this, Covenant children may object to this plan of, of, of catechizing, but they also object to being taken to the dentist. And we do not normally heed their objections because we know that if we do not take them, their teeth will be the worse for it. As important as teeth are, we surely agree that there is much more at stake in catechism instruction. So when our children object... We tell them, I know you do not always like memorizing catechism now, but when you are old, you will be glad we made you do it. We tell our children, we confess the reformed faith, and in order to commune in this congregation, you too must confess the reformed faith. Learn the catechism, uh, learning the catechism is the best preparation for the reformed faith. How can you confess something with which you are not intimately familiar. So again, you know, as parents, we know what's good for our children, and what's good for our children is memorizing a catechism. And, and again that it, it's hard to memorize. It, it can be taxing to memorize. Um, over this you know, this past week, we've been dealing with kind of a lengthier catechism, Q&A, from the Heidelberg Catechism, and it, there's some frustration. I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good-sized paragraph. And we're drilling, and we're drilling, and we're practicing, and I'm reading it, I'm reading it over and over and over, and I'm asking them to do it, then I'm doing it. Then I'm asking them to, like, fill in the blank, and we're doing various things. And so there, there is kind of this mental taxing thing that can happen. And even as maybe a child is moving along, and then he gets stuck on a word, he, he can become so frustrated with it. And, Zach, maybe that's a good segue we could talk about maybe some ways that we can... Try to lighten the load a bit, or some ways in which we can catechize that make it a little bit lighter, not uh, negating or minimizing the the mental taxation that that that's there. But yeah, I mean, I think being persistent's a key thing because there was a there were a couple of
0: weeks there where I'll admit we weren't as diligent as we had been, and then trying to get back into it and keep up with it is really hard because we lost a lot of the progress we had made. We mm. uh, didn't get a lot of that into the um, into the long-term memory. that's an some illness in our family. And so now just kind of getting back up to speed has been really hard. So I think just like persistence is a really key thing. Just being very regular. Mm-hmm. Um, that idea of you know, a little bit each day is, um, is important. So don't, don't try to go into it and say, oh, we're gonna do two hours a day and make up for the last week or so. No, that's gonna be, that's gonna create resentment. But uh, I think that is doing a little bit um, each day and being very regular and persistent with that is very key. And I think picking good times of the day to do it as well. Um, sometimes what we do is we may intersperse other subjects with some catechism questions. And so, you know, r- run through something uh, here after, you know, reading. And then we'll, then we'll do uh, some catechism and then, you know, we'll do some math and maybe back to a little bit of catechism. Maybe a good way to kind of sprinkle it around a little bit. But uh, also, I also like to give little rewards too, just like maybe some gummy worms or something like yeah. that. Just to give some encouragement but uh those are just a couple things off the top of my head. What yeah.
1: Yeah, um uh, yeah, and 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 again I think being patient too. Like like there's been some days where we've been going over and perhaps it was it was a more difficult Q&A or something, but there's been times where we've, you know, worked through a catechism and the 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 children don't have it memorized and they're tired. And you know, it's like okay, we're going to be patient here. We're we'll just Pick it up tomorrow, and then I've actually been surprised at having like a good day of drilling where they maybe don't, they still don't get it. But I ask them the next day, and maybe I don't know what it is. With like 24 hours happens, and then the next day I ask them the question, and maybe they get half of it. And I'm like, wow, you didn't get that yesterday, but here, here you are. So you can see how how the effort, the the work is is good it will pay off. It just might take some time. It might take some persistence and patience, and it's good to have some time gaps in between things. Maybe let things settle, let let their minds, maybe they've been doing a lot, a lot of other things with other subjects and they just need, need some time to, to go play and relax a bit or something. But um, yeah, I think a little bit at a time, at, at church we'll do things. Um, we have a catechism memorization class. One of the things that we'll do is we'll color while, while we're catechizing, or we might play a game, make paper airplanes, or, or, or whatever it is. Try to make things fun, but at the same time, we're not, you know, um, we're not neglecting kind of the the mental duty of just drilling and drilling and drilling until it's kind of sunk down into our minds and and, and practicing these things. So, uh, but yeah, again, and and also just to kind of go back to what what Zach said. It doesn't have to be a two-hour thing. Some people I think have this maybe a, a too lofty a goal, and they're thinking we're gonna we're gonna knock this out. We're gonna spend all this time on it. it becomes too taxing for both parent and child and uh, then it just kind of falls away but it can be something like you're driving in the car you're walking by the way you're sitting down you're at dinner maybe you just pop a question we used to be in the habit we haven't done it recently but we used to be in the habit of writing down the catechism on a on a chalkboard and and, and, and hanging it in the kitchen And so that way, if we're eating, if we're cooking, I can just kind of point up to it. It's a great, great reminder and say, hey, what is our, you know, our our catechism uh, Q&A? And we can kind of recite that around around the table a bit. And so it can be a more informal way as well.
0: Well, we hope this has been a helpful discussion for you. Uh, Again, this is the Cincy Reformed podcast. You can find our other episodes at cincyreformed.org. We are sponsored by Westside Reformed Church. If you uh, are in Cincinnati and uh, in the west side in particular and want to check us out, we'd love to have you on a Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. Get in touch with us if you have any questions, any ideas for things that we can uh, cover. But we appreciate you tuning in. Give us a review, a positive one, we hope. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.